just want to let you know, because I took a sneak peek at the leaderboard, and it looks like Marie has overtaken Jessica on the leaderboard for the number mm -hmm. one top spot. Right, Alex? It's becoming a race. I like it. Leaderboard, some great prizes out there. Make sure you're doing all you can to get your points up there. Not just the leader, but there's second, third place prizes as well. Right, Sarah? Really great ones at that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to just bring up a couple of points that Jessica made yesterday when I was or when we were talking to Laura. Jessica said in the chat function, companies will need to take a front seat on supply chain innovation and pivot, adopt faster. For example, Amazon was the first mover on revolutionizing last mile experience for their customers. Amazon had their drivers taking pictures of deliveries for years, but only now UPS and FedEx are adopting. Now, these are really, really great points. And I wanted to mention that because I saw them yesterday, but I wanted to mention them today. I mean, Amazon obviously revolutionizes um, in a variety of different ways. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they have just um, issued a patent, I think, on um, in-air warehousing. And also in the ocean warehouse facilities as well. And so those are some fun facts that we've been talking about mm. on our show. But what did you guys think about this morning? I mean, these case studies, I don't know about you, but I think that they are amazing. But one of the things that really stood out for me, Alex, is the focus on people. Both Kevin yeah. and Rick spoke about how important that is to the success of Supply Chains 2030. I mean, we can yep. talk about planning, we can talk about inventory, we can talk about capacity all day long, but these two focused on people and that's going to be the su success for the future. What did you think? Yeah, the, the, the focus on people in Rick and Kevin's presentation was interesting because it was very much their their people, right? Their their company. Ashley's was also a focus on people in another way, and it was a supply chain focus on the customers, right? It was how That's can what we, we design were talking it about and, earlier? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how I, I think how the industry professionals and supply chain professionals are speaking and incorporating people not only into their own teams, into their own dialogue and their processes, but then also taking a customer-centric approach to it. It's really interesting. And I think it's building new capabilities specifically. Um, and it's forcing teams and it's, it, it, teams that are doing it well are, are, are growing together. They're maturing together. And they're also they're doing better in the business, right? We're seeing this mm -hmm. from a metric standpoint. That's the whole point of the, the supply chains to admire. It's financial um, and, and, and operational metric uh, efficiency. And, and, and we're yeah. seeing it and we heard it from Ashley, Kevin, and Rick. Yeah, absolutely. And Karen just says impressive case studies from Toro and Clorox. So we're going to have Kevin here with us in just under 10 minutes. Um, so make sure that you have your questions ready um, and put them into the chat box so that we can see them uh, because we literally only have about 15 minutes with him coming up and we want to make sure that we get to all of your questions. I know that I have a few questions all about some of the things that he was talking about, safe throughput culture, so, so much more. But before we get to that, we do have a poll for you. So let's get that poll up from um, the team. And the question that we're asking you right now, what are your barriers to be a supply chain to admire winner? So when you take a look at your supply chains and what you're doing within your companies, what is it that's holding you back from being, you know, either Kevin or Ashley on stage 
talking about the supply chains to admire. So the first option is functional metrics. Now I'm not seeing the poll up on screen yet. So if we can get the team to put that poll up on the screen, that would be great. Your first option is gonna be functional metrics. The second option is lack of clarity on supply chain excellence. The third one is managerial turnover. And the fourth is role of finance. And if we have a fifth option, that's gonna be the right technology. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the answers are on this poll because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really going to come down to what you've heard this morning from these case studies, how you're relating that back into what you're doing and where these case studies have helped you sort of see the gaps, right? Fill the gaps and recognize, I think, it's each company's not going to be able to plug and play the learnings in the exact uh, way that Kevin talked about their integrated supply chain model. But you, you just got to listen and, and, and kind of uh, uh, take, take what you can um, from each of them and uh, integrate it to your own. Take some of those learnings. Uh, and and I, I specifically love Kevin's uh, lasagna analogy, Sarah. Uh, I thought that I was really interesting. <laughs> and, oh, it was it was great. He said, think of a supply chain. You you obviously have your plan, your source, your make, and your deliver, like many people oh, think about. Kevin. But he yes, said, I did hear yeah, that. Yeah, yes, but he yes, said, yes. He said, think planning about it like, meal. yeah, planning a meal. Um, and when you start to to humanize the supply chain and make supply chain and democratize mm -hmm. planning, as Laura always says, and people understand it quite a bit more. It's not as messy as, as complex. Obviously, there is the underlying complexity, but the terminology and the discussion doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, so we have the results from the poll from this morning that's up. Uh, hopefully they can get the poll that we are doing right now about what are your barriers to be a supply chain to admire winner. While we're waiting for that, if we want to hear from the people in the audience, you can actually put answers into the chat box. So what are your barriers? Number one, again, functional metrics. Number two, lack of clarity on supply chain excellence. Number three, managerial turnover. Number four, the role of finance. Number five, the right technology. So we want to hear from you. So put one, two, three, four, five in that chat box so we can see where you are in regards to some of your barriers to become to becoming a supply chain to admire award winner because we definitely want to hear from you on that. And after this, once we get uh, Kevin in the hot seat here, after this, Ash Ashley is going to be presenting her case study. And I know that we got a lot of really great information from her this morning when we talked mm -hmm. a lot about their intentional, um, their intentional strategy around that customer. Now, I can only imagine how difficult it is to deliver that product, get it set up, and even do returns. Like, kudos to them because they are owning and controlling all of that supply chain and you know stats and numbers don't lie and we're gonna we're gonna hear more from her on that but it's impressive you know how they're Seriously. retaining clients mm -hmm. a direct a direct to consumer vertically integrated supply chain i know that's where some of the d2c people and companies play but you hear it done on this scale in this level execution it's very and very impressive and i'm really looking Looking forward to hearing uh, what Ashley Ashley has to teach us later. This uh, fantastic. I was just saying, looking forward to what Ashley has to share with us later later today. 
Absolutely. So I want to welcome Kevin to our digital stage. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I hey, absolutely loved your, yeah, we've got Alex <laughs> online as well. We loved your presentation. We were just talking about your planning a meal analogy. <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, I, I like to cook, but it also uh, helps explain what integrated supply chain is. We all eat. We all <laughs> have to plan our meal. And it's just the difference is we just plan meals for customers with steel engines, harnesses, and frames. Absolutely. <laughs> that is amazing. So um, what, you know, what surprised you the most when you were putting this case study together? You, you know, it, the great part about uh, the last three years uh, working through um, crisis Nothing really surprises you anymore. You take the, <laughs> I said it takes you take it as data, and it really it actually helps you make more calm decisions because you know initially when you're practicing chaos, chaos is not good. But then when the chaos becomes normal, it's just like another sunny day in supply chain. So nothing, nothing, nothing has surprised me. I just think stride and just listen attentively and, and, and respond accordingly with the data that's presented. I think that's the magic of supply chain professionals. Now, you and Rick both honed in on people mm -hmm. and how people are going to be the success of supply chains into 2030. Mm -hmm. Now, I really liked hearing about that. You know, you said safe throughput culture. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more? I know you talked about that when you did your presentation, but talk to us a little bit more. Like, we are one. How do you bring everybody together, especially mm -hmm. Now we're doing hybrid, right? We're not all back in the office. I know it's a challenge for leaders out there. Talk to us about how you're doing that in a remote environment. The, 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 the thing about it is when I talk about safety, when you have the majority of the employees in, in supply chain, working in plants and working in, in also in the office, a lot of our employees are back in the office. Okay. So it's a, it's a lot easier for me to, to get around and, and engage the employee. When you hone in that employees employees have always been the number one asset of a company, this is not new. It's just now we need to lean mm -hmm. sure We tell them. We found out very quickly, and Rick pointed to this, we found out very quickly that, oh, who's going to build our products? And when you start thinking that way, who's going to build our products? And then you start saying, well, how are we going to realize revenue after we finish depending all of our finished goods inventory. That's that's not anything new. Uh, and I think by me coming back to the roots of just my upbringing of, of thanking people and understanding the importance mm -hmm. of people. And I was raised up through the manufacturing floor as a manufacturing engineer when I started at General Motors. And it's always been about the people. It's just sometimes we forget and we, we took we took people for granted. And, and I'm not just talking about people in the U.S., it's global, globally. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at how we've been constrained, we're, we can't introduce China back in because they shut down and it's supply chain volatility. Yeah. So we try to bring everything back to onshore and we don't have the labor there because for, what, 20, 20 years, we've been telling everybody to come to manufacturing, which manufacturing is not a bad bad gig. It's actually a very good and righteous job. You have skilled trades there mm -hmm. that are some of the, the smartest people, that are top 5% in intelligence in, in the world to do welding, machine shopping, electricians, pipe fitters, all those different things that are in, engulfed in the supply chain is oftentimes not talked to. Absolutely. 
Alex, I know you want to jump yeah. in here. <laughs> I was just saying, I love I love your your thought because everyone in and in, in Laura, Laura talks about this too, right? There's a, a people process in technology are oftentimes the three pillars that people think of how we can improve uh, I- I- improve our situation and. Everyone jumps to technology. A lot of people should be focusing on improving their processes, but it's the people that do the other two. And, and it's just so, it's so, it's, it's energizing to hear it. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said, Kevin, too, at the end of your point around 80% of companies have an integrated supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's people that are walking in your shoes that are going through what you can go through, that you can talk to each other about um, and, and, and have that, that camaraderie around. Uh, fantastic when it comes to, I think, the focus on people in, in a very much a process in a technology-oriented industry. Yeah, you know, the part about it, we, we talk about design thinking but we and talk about empathy map. But we forget about the people involved, it, who you have yeah, to towards. It becomes just this buzzword. And I think one yeah. of the key things um, and that you learn as a leader, period, this leader's period is how to put yourself in other folks' shoes. And, and the people component is based on how, how are people feeling in this environment mm-hmm. and really checking in with one another. And that's how you get an engaged workforce. You're just a talking head. People are very, very smart. And they know the, the bullshit meter. They know when you're not genuine and you really don't care. Yeah. But when they know you really do care, they will walk through walls with you uh, and, and not for you because a good leader will always go through that wall with them. And uh, those are the things that I try to relate to all of my employees, mm-hmm. how I can feel them and understand them. And I can relate to the hard work being done over all these last three years to, to, to make a TGC very, very successful. Yeah, and talking about that journey mm-hmm. of where you started, where you are now, I think people really want to hear that journey, mm-hmm. right? They want to know that you can resonate with what they're doing, that you've been in their shoes, mm-hmm. and that you've probably worked in their shoes without the technology resources that they right. have today, right? right? I don't know about you, but you know, I was using typewriters when I was working at a logistics company to type out checks. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, the, 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 funny, the funny thing, I worked my way through college, and I had um, I had a job where I worked in a freezer and it was in uh, Douglasville, Georgia. It was burden distribution. And I would work during um, during midnight until about 6 o'clock a.m. and have wow. a class. So I have loaded boxes. I've worked. Uh, it's I've, yeah. I've, I've done every, I've literally done every job there <laughs> is to do in a company down there from the floor all the way up to the C-suite. So I, I really, when I say I understand them, I really do from, from land bricks of my grandpa in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when I was 12, all the way up. So me having empathy for folks who have to go in at the clock, it's, it's really something that I can speak to and understand. That's really from my, my roots of upbringing. Yeah, yeah. And you made a point where you said, you know, it's we don't get the thank yous that we should get. And during the pandemic, I actually made a point of reaching out to the supply chain leaders that I knew to say, hey, how are you doing? Right. Because they were all checking on their teams and they had teams that they needed to make sure were okay. But who was checking on them? And I think it's important as supply chain leaders, supply chain professionals that we're checking on not only our teams, but also our counterparts. Right. Absolutely. I said, I think in the thing is more of a therapy set. The the worst thing you have and anybody says will say this. The mental health, you think you're alone. You think you're by yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and, And that's the isolation piece. We're not. We, we got a bunch of people that we can actually 
talk to, and, and I've, I've always uh, talked to my good buddy, Ernest Nicholas, uh, about different issues. And iron sharpens iron. When you talk to each other about different issues, you say, oh, that happened to you? Yeah. Envisioning at me and I was crazy. So, so you really can relate <laughs> and understand that you're not losing your mind. These are the things that we're all going through together. together. And inflation is real. It's not just a Kevin Carpenter <laughs> issue that can't figure out. How to, how, Kevin, you, you're supposed to be smart. Why can't you figure out how to not have surcharges? I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. He's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not that smart. I'm not, I think I hit the thing. I hit the you did. It's okay. I, need, I talk with my hands. I'm expressing. It's all good. So, it's, we'll, it's, we'll get that fixed. It's just, it's just funny. But it, it's, it's really we it. have each other. Oh, okay. They're charging surcharges too. I thought it was me. I thought I couldn't negotiate it. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Is we need to talk and see what the actual normal is for everybody. Right? Because we get into our own little world, our own little bubble. So I want to ask you, um, you know, what are some of the actions or learnings you'd like the audience to take or consider in their own supply chains? You know, from the case that you just represented, I always like to give them action items. And I also want to remind, I also want to, to remind the digital audience that we are taking questions right now. So if you have any questions for Kevin, make sure to put them in the in the box. But yeah, what, what are some actions that you think that um, the audience can take away with them and do right away? Look, I, I think the best thing that we could do, uh, that you could do is, is, is visioning is important. Visioning goes into the impossible and you can actually have ingredients of, of what your ideal state may be, whatever that may be. And then work yourself backwards and really create a plan to get there. And then systematically program manage the tactics to do what you say you're going to do and really lean into when it's not possible, when it's not possible or you don't have the right resources there and, and act quickly. I like the term uh, uh, a phrase called patiently impatient and being I'm in the present and I'm patient. But I'm constantly rearing to say, what's the next thing? And that's the visioning piece of, of you're being patient and getting what you need to know, but you're impatiently trying to go towards the castle on the hill. Absolutely. Alex. I, I, yeah, I like I love what you said there, Kevin, around kind of pro program managing your own process, because I think that gets lost a lot of times. It gets lost in just 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 the process as a whole. But can, can you maybe talk about one other thing, which is around uh, what questions you mentioned this um, kind of one thing you could do is program manage your process to improve it. Right. But what, what are some questions that uh, supply chain professionals should be asking ourselves as we look to 2030? How can you, how can you uh, subject yourself to the plant? You know, I think a lot, a lot of supply chain folks don't like to talk manufacturing, but mm. We have to lead into how can we subject ourselves to the plan. Rick said it, and, and this is the mantra of functional excellence. Keep the plants running. That's our goal alignment. If those plants ain't running, we're not making, when I get really Southern, that means I'm passing. When those plants are not running, I can't. <laughs> when those plants are not running, we're not making any money. And I don't care what yeah. type of sourcing strategy you have or supply chain strategy. If you have the wrong product components there and we don't have to make it, it does not matter. So mm -hmm. that's why we, I say we go towards an integrated supply chain, making the plants the center of it. And when the plants are the center, you subject everything that you're doing to say, I need to keep these plants running. Right. Those are the things that, that supply chain professionals, because I said, remember I said, supply chain versus manufacturing. No, we're integrated. And everything yep. that you set up in contract from a sourcing standpoint and get MOQs on, it leads into 
the plants and can they order it? Can they get it in quantity? Can they get it on time? So we add value. So if you start thinking that piece of it, um, I, I think you have a full picture of plant source making delivery. Yeah, great. That 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 plant is your critical path. You can't let that yeah. shut down, right? If that shuts no. down, everything no. else shuts down afterwards. <laughs> Timelines delayed, your money, yeah, everything. You can't pay your suppliers if that shuts down. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> every every, and this is my old plant leader talking right here. Everything else is overhead. Everything <laughs> else is indirect labor. The direct labor is what pays the bills. So, <laughs> indirect labor. Yeah, indirect labor. La- direct labor is as men and women on that on that floor adding value. Everything else is overhead, and they and they mm-hmm. don't have the value at a certain time to get things to our customer. <laughs> we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> That is so true. And we're going to, you mentioned Rick, we're going to have Rick back here at 1230 today. So if you have any questions for him, make sure you get those questions ready because he's going to be back with us to answer your pressing questions from his case study as well. Now I have one more question for you. What about the right technology? How important, because we've talked a lot about people, you've said that the chaos in 2030 is if we don't take corrective action with our people. But there's a lot of talk about technology. There's a lot of talk about digital transformation. Where does that sit in all of this? these conversations about 2030? You know, it, it's, I'm going to say, I graduated from Georgia Tech, um, mathematics, electrical engineer. Morehouse Mathematics with Georgia Tech, electrical engineer. I was controls engineer for General Motors. And what I'm going to do and say is counter to my training. But it's so true in my training. Oh, here we go. You've heard it here once. <laughs> the process manually before you do any software overlay. Ah. Or it's just a mm-hmm. waste of money. Mm-hmm. And so many people, people trying to sell me tech, people may trade, try to go in and buy tech to think we're going to transform. But if you don't have it mapped, where you understand the inputs and the outputs of every yes. node from all the way from the beginning to the end of every piece of the business, you will waste money and you will have glaring, glaring, bad, bad things. Because all it's going to do is amplify. Technology will amplify or optimize. And we want to optimize it. So please sit. If anybody tries to sell you digital transformation and they don't get down with a value stream map to kick them out the door, kick them out the door. And they're just, they're, they're just trying to make money off of you and get you the license agreement. You have to map the exercise. You have to map it to a value stream mapping every input and output and go back because software will do exactly what you tell it to do, good, bad, or ugly. So when you sit down with a technology provider, what's the first question you ask them? I need you to value stream my processes that include it for free because that's the hardest part. I can, I can write code. I can, I can code. <laughs> the hardest part is sitting down doing empathy maps consume the technology. Mm-hmm. At each node, I'm going to have a person, maybe a technician, maybe an operator, maybe yeah. a manufacturing engineer. They they look at everything that's being shown differently. Mm-hmm. So that's where the empathy map across that value stream map comes comes into play to, to where you have to really understand what the consumers of that tech is going to do versus right. just saying, I just got, I'm going to digitally transform. What does that mean? I'm just going to say this right. over here. That's my annuity. You get rich off of it as a tech, technology company. And look, I, I love technology. That's to my core. But you have to do it the right way. Manual process first. Understand all the inputs and outputs, the people that consume it, and then overlay the software. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us and providing some additional insights from your case study. I loved it. We've got the results from our poll. What are your barriers to be a supply chain to admire award winner? 75% of you said lack clarity on supply chain excellence. So I think we need to talk a little bit more about that with Laura a little later. So I'm going to make a note of that. And then 25% of you said functional metrics as well. So now we are going to be back at 12.30 with Rick from Clorox. So again, make sure that you get all of your questions ready for him. And then right after that, we are going to go into trivia. We're going to have some fun with some supply chain trivia for you. And we're going to be having a winner of that round announced at the end of today as well. So we are going to go back to the in-person stage right now because I think we've got a panel happening with all of you from the supply chains to admire study. Plus, we've got Ashley first. Ashley goes first with our third supply chains to admire case study. And then I think we go into the panel. So we will see you back here on the digital stage at 1230. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.